Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. We pray now that it will go forth and will not return void. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> so uh, this pastor, when it was called in to the, the family, called the pastor in and the guy was in the hospital and he, he said he needed to talk to the pastor immediately and he was not doing well. So the pastor went in and calmly stood by the bed and the guy was acknowledged him, was sitting there and he was he asked him for something to write on. So the pastor fumbled some stuff out of his pocket and a paper and a pencil and he said is this your is this what you need to tell me and the guy nodded his head yes and he scribbled some words down on the paper and folded it up handed it to the pastor and immediately the guy died the pastor said well you know i'm gonna do his funeral i'm not even gonna read it i'm gonna put it in my coat pocket and whatever his last wishes are i'm gonna announce it at the funeral so two days later he goes to the funeral and he opens a paper and he says you're standing on my oxygen hose <laughs> Probably should have read it before he got there. <clears throat> what we're going to talk about this week is we're going to try to finish this this thing on on faith, and, and, and we used a couple of examples last week of different illustrations of what faith looks like, and one of them was a you know a ladder climbing up on the roof. And Keller told me later that he could easily jump up on the roof. So if y'all hang out for a minute, Keller's going to show us later how he jumps up on the roof. But the, <clears throat> as I have meditated on it, prayed on it, and studied more this week, I, I, I got a, it's amazing. I don't know what it is. And, and I don't know if it's the devil in my spirit or if it's, you know, your questions and God reveals it to me. I don't understand. But I always hear the questions, right? In my spirit, I always hear the questions, well, well, why doesn't it work for me, or what happens, or what stops it? And so I just want to start off real quick, what's the opposition of faith before we continue on where we are? And so there are a couple of things that stop faith from operating, right? And, and, and it's biblical, um, um, right? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, right? Lack of knowledge is, a, is, a, is definitely a hurdle to, to faith and operating in faith, right? Um, unbelief, right? Jesus said in the last um, scripture I quoted and, or read, and I'm going to read it again in a minute, that anything is possible for those who believe, right? So, so lack of knowledge and unbelief, and then there's one more, it's an unforgiveness, right? And we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, Jesus talks about him when you stand praying, that you need to forgive anybody that you have all against in your heart, right? So those are really the three major things that stops faith from operating. And it seems simple, right? It's not hard. Study the word, believe what it says, and forgive your neighbor. I mean, that's it, right? The three major hurdles of faith are unbelief, lack of knowledge, and unforgiveness. It's pretty easy. Study more, believe what you read, and believe that God says what he says and he means it. And forgive your neighbor. And it, <clears throat> it creates an opportunity to be able to walk in faith. Now, here again, like the latter, you can have full, complete, understanding, heartfelt faith that the latter will put you on the roof. You can have the physical and, and engineering understanding that, you know, the ladder is rated for 400 pounds and you don't weigh 400 pounds, that it's at the proper angle and that you know that the structure you leaned it up against is sturdy and it's going to hold you. 
Yet if you refuse to act on the ladder, right, it doesn't move you off the ground. So, so the hurdles of faith, the, the, the unbelief, the lack of knowledge, the unforgiveness, and then I got a fourth one, is this is laziness. And, it, and laziness isn't the right word or, or it's, um, whatever word you could put in there that's not offensive to you would be great. But it's the lack of effort. It's the lack of showing up. It's the lack of doing. Because there are times to where, if you go to the book of Hebrews, right? In the book of Hebrews, let's, let's go to the book of Hebrews for just a second. If you go to the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, it's, it's the Hall of Fame, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? The Hebrews 11 is the Hall of Fame. It's the, it's the dudes that did, man. Uh, verse 7, by faith. Chapter 11, 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, built an ark. By faith Abraham, when called, obeyed and went. Turn over the page, yeah, if it'll come loose. By faith Sarah, even though she was past childbearing age, but considered him faithful, made a promise, had a kid, right? By faith. Isaac blessed Jacob by faith. Jacob, when he was dying, blessed Joseph's sons by faith. Joseph, when it was near, spoke of Exodus of the Israelites by faith. Moses' parents put him in the basket by faith. When Moses grew up, he refused to be known as Pharaoh's son. See, it didn't say a single time in there that it said by faith. They hung out on a couch and did nothing. It didn't say that. And then when James says faith without corresponding actions is dead, and, 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 and I talked about that last week, right? The paradox between the, the Pauline epistles that says that it's by, by grace and not by works, right? And, and then what James says is that faith without works is dead. And it seems like a contradictory statement, but it's not. What Paul said is this is a gift of God by grace through faith. What James says is you can have the gift of God sitting in front of you and without accepting Jesus as our personal Savior, without acting on his word, without re renewing our mind in God's word, you can't have what God's word says. The works that is being discussed is not because I'm a good person or because I do right or because I go here because I tend to old people or I tend to young people or I help the poor. That's not the works that he's talking about. The works that if faith Without works is dead. It's like saying the ladder without climbing up it is useless. It's the works, the showing up and doing. <clears throat> and I know I talked about it last week. But a couple more points for Mr. Darrell. I was on a job site in North Charleston, right? It was like December the 2nd or 3rd, I don't remember. 2007, Riley was like six weeks old. And I was rebuilding the old Desperados. If you're old enough to know what Desperados is, it's now Simplex Grinnell, and now I think it's actually something else now. But I was rebuilding that building, right? We had a contract to go in and renovate that building. And, and Crystal called me and said, I was supposed to meet Mama for lunch, but something happened with Daddy, and he's sick, and they go into the hospital, so do you want me to meet me for lunch? And I said, absolutely. And I hung up the phone and started praying about it. And as I was praying, walking around in the parking, parking lot at Desperados, and if you really want to know how in, etched in my brain it is, it's all the way on the right-hand side of the building where that other door came out, where it used to be the entrance of Desperados, all the way on that end. I was walking down that fence line that's horribly kept, walking up and down that, because that was the only place there was shade, 
right? Because it was August. It was hot. I was trying to keep my little fat tail out of the sunshine. And I prayed about Mr. Darrell not, I, I wasn't the pastor. I wasn't the associate pastor. I wasn't nothing. I was just son-in-law and probably not even really I, was, I had to be the favorite son-in-law because they only have one daughter who's married. So I'll hang my hat and I'm the favorite son-in-law. But I just turned around and started praying, Lord, be with Mr. Darrell, Miss Dorothy. You know. And God spoke to me and said, hey, if you don't go lay hands on him, he's going to die. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This, this wasn't major. Crystal wasn't upset. That can't be right. In a booming booming voice in my spirit if you don't go lay hands on him he's going to die now I can tell you by faith I went to exit 199 in Somerville and met Crystal at the Hess station and by faith I drove that white Yukon XL about 100 miles an hour to Orangeburg Medical and, 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 and this is part of the story that doesn't get told a bunch but I'd never been to Orangeburg Medical I haven't ever been back to Orangeburg Medical. I've been there one time. I walked in the front door. I walked around the desk. I walked through the sliding doors. I walked down this hall. I walked down that hall. I walked directly to where Miss Roark was standing in the door frame. I walked into the room. I haven't spoken to a soul. I didn't say, hey, can y'all tell me where Daryl Rourke is? Is something going on? I walked into a room of people beating and yelling and doing CPR and talking to him and trying to revive him. And ask those people to please move where I can lay hands on him or he's going to die. And in the shock of what was going on, they moved. They were like, okay. Like, really? I mean, I, I think they were taken back. But here again, I, I wasn't the pastor. I wasn't the associate pastor. I wasn't anything. I was just a dude, right? And, 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 and to tell the truth, in 2007, I probably wasn't the best that I could have been, right? I probably wasn't in the best place. I probably wasn't doing exactly how I was supposed to be doing. I was working for another company and, and, and they had different ways that they did business and I wasn't in a good spot. But I walked in that room and laid hands on him and prayed for him out of faith. Nothing else. I, I, but how horrible of that story would it be that if the answer to that question would have been that when I prayed for him, or that I didn't pray for him, or that when I prayed for him and God said, he's going to die if you don't go lay hands on him, I would have said, yeah, I don't really think that's true. I don't really think that's for today. God don't really mean that. And then I think about other opportunities in my life where I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And it haunts me, right? And in, in, in the, the idea of faith is, look, we're not perfect. We're human. God made us flawed right we have a free will we get to decide you get to decide if you want to walk by faith and not by sight or not you you don't have to be a good christian you can go to level one accept jesus as your savior go to heaven be miserable here but how sad is it to be in the opportunity to be standing in the parking lot of desperados and hear god speak to you and go eh. i mean orangeburg i mean my will my boss understand I mean, are they going to think I'm silly when I get there? I mean, are, it, are, you know, at the time, the Rourke still went to a different church. And are they going to think I'm crazy when I get there? Is there anything really wrong with him? I mean, all I knew was daddy got sick and went to the hospital. I mean, it wasn't even a big deal. Crystal wasn't upset. Can I meet you for lunch? Sure. 
And I got off the phone and said, don't come to me. Go to, not, go to 199. I'll pick you up. And I drove my truck from there to there and picked Crystal and Riley up. And I left Crystal and Riley in the car. They didn't go in, inside the hospital. I mean, I didn't even really park. I just kind of pulled up in front and threw it in park and jumped out. Like I owned the joint. I don't remember how I got there. I don't know where it's at. But I know by faith that I left my job site in North Charleston and drove immediately to Orangeburg to lay hands on him because I believe with all my heart that if I didn't do what I was supposed to do at that moment, that God's opportunity of saving his life was limited. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't have saved his life. I'm not saying there wasn't somebody else who would have showed up. I'm not saying that somebody else wouldn't have done it. I'm not saying if Noah would not have built the ark that God didn't have someone else who would have built the ark or some other miracle that he would have kept mankind going or we just started off with a new Adam. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you go to Hebrews 11 and you look at the list of men that were listed and women that were listed, every time it says by faith, they did something by faith. They didn't hang out by faith. By faith, we Netflix and chilled. By faith, we scrolled through TikTok all afternoon. And it's not, that is not what it did. And the, and the idea of being the body and the hands and feet of Christ and having to show up and go and do. It's not by faith. I, I sent them a silent prayer request. I'm not saying you can't pray for people over the phone. I'm not saying you can pray for people in your private prayer time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when God requires you to show up and do something, that move is by faith. And if it is not in faith, it is absolutely a waste of your energy, time, and effort. Because let me tell you something. I didn't drive 100 miles an hour from Somerville to Orangeburg because I didn't think I was going to be able to lay hands on him and he was going to recover. I was concerned over the time frame that I had to get there. That was it. I was fully persuaded. When I stepped out of that truck, Crystal's car, in Orangeburg, I was fully persuaded that when I walked in the door, when I laid hands on him, he was going to be healed. 100%. And you can call me naive, stupid, whatever you want to come up with. Whatever the world wants to call it. But I knew with a, with, without a shadow of a doubt in the bottom of my spirit that God sent me there to do what I was supposed to do. There are other opportunities in our lives that where we are in that situation and we fail to show up. And that drives me nuts. It is a huge, huge, huge concern of mine, right? And not y'all's, of mine. That when we get done with this, that there was an opportunity to expand the body of Christ, to lead somebody to the Lord, to get somebody delivered from a addiction, to get somebody healed, to get somebody saved, to get somebody set free. And I had the keys and didn't show up. <clears throat> Y'all probably don't have that same concern. I do. Every day, I look for opportunities to spread the gospel and do it by faith. Now, that does not mean that yesterday afternoon when I'm yelling at the ball field, that I was praying for God to show me who I needed to go pray for. 
I was yelling because I wanted our kids to win and their kids to lose. And as much as I love them in Christ, I was still pulling for them to lose. I am not saying by any means necessary. I am not saying at all that somehow I'm better or worse or, or gooder or worser than y'all are. Or anybody is. I'm just saying that it has to, has to be something in our mind on a daily basis that we're going to do whatever it takes to extend the body of Christ. And that fundamentally is the bottom of the barrel in faith. To, because listen, you have faith, right? You have faith in your car that it's going to start. You have faith in your car that it's going to stop when you mash the brakes, right? You have faith in that yellow line down the middle of the highway that the people on that side are going to stay on that side and the people on this side are going to stay on this side, right? Because if you didn't, you wouldn't drive. You wouldn't be here. I mean, Bobby and Terry might have walked. But, I mean, everybody else wouldn't be here. Mr. Speedy would be here. He, he, he walked too. But if you didn't have faith in the yellow line in the middle of the highway, you wouldn't get on the highway, why? What would you do? There are people driving thousand-pound vehicles at you. They're coming at you in a rapid faith. But we somehow have faith that that little magic yellow line down the middle protects us. But you can't have faith in the living God? Listen, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, you have faith. You have the measure of faith, right? Because you cannot believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for my sins and he's the Lord of my life without faith. Now, if you have level one faith and you've never been able to get past level one faith, you need to go back to the things that we talked about earlier. It's either lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, unforgiveness, or laziness. Because the only thing that stops your faith from growing is you. You control your faith. Because listen, in the time of Noah, right, it wasn't like, well, Noah wasn't taught or nurtured. Noah didn't have nobody. Noah was at the end of the rope, right? That everybody else on the planet was in such disarray. Think about this now. Not in the room, not in the town. Everybody else in the entire planet was in such disarray that Noah was the one in his offspring. And we know Noah wasn't perfect, right? Noah gets drunk. Noah does some dumb stuff. Noah has problems. But, but he is at the... He is the last guy on the planet. And he still, by faith, did what God told him to do. Now, look here. I felt silly, or may have, could have felt silly walking in to pray for people, right? This dude built a boat in the middle of a desert, and it had never rained before. His level of faith is incredible. How can you do this? Well, you go, you go build a boat. Oh, okay, well, where's the nearest water? Water's coming here. Oh, really? That yellow line means those cars have to stay on that side. Oh, really? Well, you can go across that yellow line anytime you feel like it. Well, Crystal's new car won't let you do that. That stupid thing. It's got the lane guard. And if you don't put the blinker on, it pulls you back into the lane. And so I'm driving it, and I'm in the middle of five lanes, and there's not a car in the half a mile in either direction. And I change lanes, and it's fighting me back. Put stupid blinker on, move over, put the blinker off. But what do we put our faith in? I mean, do we not put our faith in God and what his promises say and what his word says? And all of the times and the examples that he's shown up and shown out? <clears throat> we put our faith in silly stuff. Or 
we don't know, or we don't understand, or we're just too lazy to do it. I mean, it, it, it is not, there's not a, or I have unforgiveness in my heart because somebody treated me bad one time and you don't understand how they made me feel. I don't care. I don't care. Jesus hanging on the cross said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. After they had beaten him, tortured him, spurged him, drove the crown of thorns in his head and stabbed him with nails and hung him on the cross, spit on him, mocked him. You, you come up with a list of things that gets anywhere close to what happened right there when he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. If you have a group of people that get anywhere close to that list, you come up, I'll pray for you, and we're still going to forgive them. Because even to death, even to death on the cross, Jesus forgave them at that moment. So why would we let unforgiveness stop our faith from moving us forward? Well, I don't know how it works. What do you mean you don't know how it works? Do you know how to drive through works at Chick-fil-A? Used to be you talked to a little box and then you rode around and they had food up there. You have faith in that, right? Not really. I don't have faith in that. I open the bag every time. Make sure they got exactly what's supposed to be in there. Uh, sorry, Becca. I, I, every time. Unless Becca served me, then I know I'm good. But I don't know how God works. Oh, yeah? Really? Let's see what, let's see what God's Word says. Let's go to uh, Gospel According to Mark. I told, I told you last week I had a bunch of Marks marked. I still got Marks marked. And, and, and just, just to... One more thing from last week. Mark 9, 23. It still baffles me that how we have this same opinion, right? And this guy said, well, if you can, will you heal him? And Jesus said, if you can, if, if you can, everything is possible for he who believes or they who believe. All right. Um, next Mark, Mark. Um, Mark 11, uh, verse 20. And in the morning they went along as they saw a fig tree withered from the roots. Now what, 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 what had happened is, is they had come into town, right? And Jesus saw a fig tree and he went to the fig tree and, and he wanted a fig, Newton, or whatever. They have fig trees and, and the fig, didn't have any, fig tree didn't have any fruit on it. And Jesus said, nobody will ever eat of you again. May no, that's in uh, verse 14, may no one ever eat fruit of you again. That's all he said. And Granny said he used to thought that he cussed the tree, but he didn't cuss the tree. He just cursed it. It said, you won't live anymore. Nobody will ever eat fruit of you again. And, they, and when they saw the fig tree had withered from the roots, and Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, <laughs> dude, look at the fig tree you cursed. It has withered. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's craziness. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you that anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in the heart, but believes what they say will happen. It will be done of them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying that if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may also forgive you your sins. So what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you're going to say what you're going to have. So when we stand praying, we believe that we're going to have what we ask for, and it is ours. 
And if we have anything against anybody, we need to ask for forgiveness of it. Now that does not seem like a very difficult, it, everybody understand that in everyday English? I mean, that's pretty simple words. I mean, he didn't, I mean, you know, Jesus told a lot of parables and he used a lot of examples and, and sometimes he got really deep on them and they couldn't get past it. But, but this one, he just said, hey, look, it, it, it's easy. It's easy. Whatever you ask for in prayer and you believe you're going to have it. And if you have anything against anyone, you need, to ask, you need to forgive them. I mean, he didn't, there was no bones about it. Now, he said that this, this is only for the disciples. No, that ain't what he said. He says, truly, I tell you, if anyone, anyone, but it was only when Jesus was living. No. It was only before they converted the Bible into English in 1644 to King James Version. No, that's not it. It's only if you read the King James Version. It's only if you go to a big church. Only if you tithe right. It, it, it's only if you're a person, I think, is the whole thing, right? You've got to be a person that be this. Because he says anyone. It didn't say anything. It said anyone. So then if we really believe this, truthfully, truthfully, if we believe this, it, it, it says, whatever you say, it will be done for them. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Really, if we really believe this, we have checked the boxes, right? Almost all of them. Almost all of them. We have the knowledge. We don't have any unbelief. We truly believe it in our heart. We believe this. And we have forgiven everybody that has any trespasses against us. Wait a minute, there were four. What was the other one? Oh, yeah. You actually have to do it. You actually have to do it. You actually have to show up and do it. You actually have to believe and ask for it in prayer. How many of you have sit with the need and wondered, man, I wish God would help me. You go, I wonder how it works. And what did he say? That if anyone asks in prayer and believe that you have it, it will be yours. So have you had a situation where you checked the boxes? Where you didn't have any unforgiveness? Did you truly believe God's word? Did you understood what God's word said? And you forgive the people? And God didn't show up? Because I don't. I don't have a situation where I can honestly, wholeheartedly say, I did what God told me I was supposed to do. I believed in my heart and said with my mouth, and I did exactly what he said, and I forgave anybody that had any kind of forgiveness or needed forgiveness from me, and God didn't show up. Now, I have seen God show up in ways that I did not expect him to. I was looking over here, and he showed up over there, right? Told you all that joke the other day about the farmer on the roof. God is alive. He didn't die. His word didn't go out. His faith hasn't changed. His ministry hasn't changed. And I don't care what version of the Bible you read. Look, if you can read it in Arabic or Greek or Hebrew or whatever, good for you. I like to read it in English. I struggle with the English language a little bit, but I want to understand what God's word says. And when we develop that skill and understand what God's word says, only thing left to do is he went and did. Noah went and did. 
Abraham went and did. Moses went and did. Jacob went and did. Isaac went and did. It doesn't say, and they were lazy and they hung out and they ate and drank and did nothing and then they died. The, the bottom of the barrel, when you get to how do we get from building block one to two to three to four to five to six to seven to eight to nine, is it requires effort on your part. You cannot understand what God's word says if you refuse to read it. <clears throat> you cannot have understanding of God's word if you refuse to pray about it and believe and meditate on it and develop it and renew your mind and start to establish yourself in God's word, right? So then that abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when God's word comes out first, right? I mean, I didn't flip out in the Desperado's parking lot. I didn't think, oh God, why me? I didn't call granddaddy. God didn't say if Stump doesn't lay hands on him, he's going to die. He said, if you don't go and lay hands on him, he's going to die. Yes, sir, boss. Roll. Now, I drove too fast. I shouldn't have drove too fast. I got fussed out over that not so long ago. It is what it is. I was in a hurry because I felt like I had an important mission from God to do what I was supposed to do. I wish I took that same diligence all the time when God gives me something to do. Because sometimes I feel like I procrastinate and allow the opportunities to be missed. That's really the fear. When our faith develops, God's not late. God's not early. God's on time. I just want to be on God's time. I want to develop my faith to where I walk according to God's word, not I work, walk according to my word, and then, oh yeah, God does what he wants to do too. I am driven, and I want you to be driven, that I want to walk according to God's word every day, every day. And if it's healing and it's a need, I know how to pray for that. And if it's finances and it's a need, I know how to pray for that. And if it's addiction and it's a need, I know how to pray for that. And if it's something else that I don't know how to pray for it, I'm going to pray for God to give me the understanding of how to pray about that. But all's not lost until after I have went to God and been on my face in prayer and done everything I know how to do and live according to those four rules, right? That we have belief, that we believe it in our heart, that we've forgiven everybody and we're actually doing what we're supposed to do. And even then, I'm convinced that God's going to show up no matter what. The problem is, is it's sitting at home, not doing what we're supposed to do, and then complaining because what you thought should have happened didn't happen. Well, I don't know why they did that. Can you believe nobody's picked up that trash on the side of the road? Can you believe nobody came to church? You're only responsible for you and the people, the little people that live in your building, right? That's it. You can't make people do nothing. But our goal should be is that we don't have to, we don't feel like we're pressured into being here, that we want to be here and we want to do what God wants us to do and we want to live according to his word and we want to walk in faith and we want to be the, the light into the world and we want to be in the situation where I don't care what comes up, I know that God's got my back, period. I don't care. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care who the enemy is. I don't care what the attack is. I don't care what words they use. They AIDS, cancer, whatever. Pick a disease that you bothers you. None of them bother me because I know that my God is bigger than all of them. And that includes the whatever COVID crap too. And I don't care about nothing about that either. My God is bigger than that too. My God is the creator of the universe. And he healed all of those people. And he said by his stripes, 
I am healed, past tense. 1 Peter 2.24, and it didn't change yesterday, and it's not going to change tomorrow, and it's not going to change next week, and neither is my opinion about it. And you can like it or don't like it, and I can be, or not. It doesn't matter to me at all. I know that no matter what, I'm going to show up and do what God told me to do, regardless of the situation, regardless of the outcome, regardless of what people have to say about it. And that, to me, is the best way I know how to show what God's faith in God looks like. It is not worried about what somebody else's opinion of a situation is or whether or not I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do or not. It makes no difference to me. Dr. Hanger laughing at me makes no difference to me. I've told that story before and people laughed and turned around and walked off. That makes no difference to me. It's the truth. The truth is the truth. And it has no regard on the outcome. Like I said, he's not going to live except for he's sitting right there. Riley turns 13, or turned 13 this year, turned 14 in, in October. It'll be 14 years ago. He's still right there. God's word is true every time. He's still right there on the throne. He hasn't moved. Jesus is still the Lord of lords. He's still the king of kings. His word is still true. He still says that if anyone believes and when they pray that they will receive it and it ain't changed. He did not put an expiration date on it. It does not have a sell-by date on it. It does not have a, well, you're too old or too short or too fat or too skinny or too white or too black or too green or too pink. It has no respect of persons. I believe you cannot be a Christian if you don't believe that Jesus was telling the truth. And when he says anyone, he truthfully meant anyone. But to be, you have to know what it says. You have to show up and do it. And you have to, have, you have to forgive the folks that have sinned against you. That's it. I mean, it is not a simple task. It is a simple task. It is not difficult. It's not rocket surgery. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we know it will not return void. Father, we thank you for these folks. And we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.